ID the Future, a podcast about evolution and intelligent design. Greetings, I'm Andrew McDermott. Today, a reading from a new book by award-winning historian Richard Weikart. Now out from Discovery Institute Press, it's called Darwinian Racism, How Darwinism Influenced Hitler, Nazism, and White Nationalism. The work reveals how Charles Darwin's theory of evolution shaped the views of Hitler and the Nazis, and how the Nazis championed Darwinism during the Third Reich. The book also breaks new ground by expanding the focus beyond Hitler and his influences to other leading pro-Darwin Nazis. And it shows that the same Darwinian ideas that guided the Nazis circulate today among white nationalists. As Weikart carefully documents, they routinely invoke Darwinian theory to justify and advance their racist agenda. A common ploy is to dress Hitler up as an anti-evolution biblical creationist and then use him to tar Bible believers. Darwinian racism neutralizes that ploy. Some people couldn't care less that Darwinism is in trouble scientifically or undermines religious faith, but they will be troubled to learn that Darwinism has a long and well-documented history of fueling racism against non-whites and others. Having learned this, they may be ready, for the first time in their lives, to take a critical look at evolutionary dogma. Weikart is a senior fellow at the Center for Science and Culture, an emeritus professor of history at California State University, Stanislaus. Two of his previous books, From Darwin to Hitler and Hitler's Ethic, also trace Darwinism's influence on Hitler. Darwinian racism is affordably priced and written for a general audience. First, I'll read to you an excerpt from the introduction. It was the spring of 1999, a Denver suburb. The day, April 20th, Adolf Hitler's birthday. An 18-year-old white nationalist, Eric Harris, donned a shirt emblazoned with natural selection before heading off to high school. For weeks he had been preparing a special event in honor of the Fuhrer. Together with a co-conspirator, Dylan Klebold, he planted a bomb in the Columbine High School cafeteria. Harris planned to shoot his fellow students as they fled the explosion. When the bomb failed to detonate, he and Klebold entered the school and opened fire, killing 13 and wounding 24 before turning their guns on themselves. Why was Harris, as are many white nationalists today, so eager to honour both Hitler and Darwin? Why did he think Darwin's theory of natural selection provided fodder for his white nationalist ideology? What were the connections? If we delve deeply into the ideology of Nazis neo-Nazis, and white nationalists, we find that Darwinism, the view that species have evolved over eons of time through the process of natural selection, plays a fundamental role, shaping their views about race and society. Both Hitler and Harris, together with other Nazis and white nationalists, believed that Darwinian theory contributed several key ideas to their racist ideology. Most importantly, they thought Darwinism implied that different races had evolved to different levels, so they considered some races superior and others inferior. Further, they believed that these allegedly unequal races were locked in an inescapable struggle for existence, in a competition to the death. Nazis and white nationalists consider it their mission to advance their own race in this universal racial struggle, 
even to the point of perpetrating violence against those deemed their racial enemies. In the Darwinian struggle for existence, after all, someone has to die. Many Darwinists will protest that evolutionary theory does not necessarily lead to the conclusions that Nazis and white nationalists have derived from it. Most Darwinists today are not racists and don't go around staging mass murders. They represent a wide variety of political and social philosophies, including egalitarianism and democracy. Many of them uphold human rights. But we can grant this obvious point and still pursue a historical inquiry that is increasingly, and alarmingly, relevant. Did Nazis believe that Darwinism informed their worldview? And do present-day white nationalists believe this? Were they influenced by Darwinian theory? And if so, how? Those wanting to distance Darwinism from the Nazis need to stop ignoring the fact that the racial inegalitarianism of the Nazis in the early to mid-20th century was not all that distant from the racist attitudes and theories of many leading Darwinian biologists, anthropologists, and physicians. Darwin himself was racist, and exalted in the European extermination of the lower races, which he integrated into his theory of human evolution. Many other scientists likewise promoted racism on the basis of their understanding of evolutionary theory. If the Nazi perspective was a misinterpretation of Darwinism, it was a misinterpretation fostered by the Darwinian biologists themselves, not by non-scientists or fringe publicists. Indeed, long before the Nazis came on the scene, Darwinian biologists, anthropologists and other scholars, including Darwin himself, were insisting that Darwinism provided intellectual support for racism and even racial extermination, and some also saw it as a justification for militarism, economic competition, abortion, and euthanasia. For instance, the leading Darwinian biologist in Germany, Ernst Haeckel, stated in 1904, The distance between the thinking soul of the cultured human and the thoughtless animal soul of the wild natural human is extremely vast, greater than the distance between the latter and the soul of a dog. Haeckel believed that Europeans had evolved to a higher level than other human races, and this view was quite common among scientists. One of the most important features of Darwin's theory was his proposed mechanism for evolution, natural selection through the struggle for existence. Darwin argued that the population of any species, including humans, grew faster than the food supply, leading to competition for scarce resources in which the fit, those better adapted to their environments, survived and reproduced, while the unfit perished. This notion of natural selection would have a profound influence on conceptions of race relations, because Darwin thought that some races, such as black Africans, Native Americans and others, were intellectually inferior to Europeans, and that this explained why they were being exterminated by Europeans. Thus many Europeans in the 19th century construed Darwin's theory as justification for annihilating other races. After all, these other races must be the unfit, and in the Darwinian scheme of things, the unfit perish. Many leading biologists, psychiatrists, and physicians in the late 19th and early 20th centuries thought that Darwinism also provided support for eugenics policies. Eugenics was a movement that aimed at improving human heredity. Many eugenicists were disturbed by the way that modern societies were protecting their weak and sickly members 
allowing them to survive and even reproduce. They feared that this contravening of natural selection would lead to biological degeneration rather than upward evolution. To rectify matters, eugenicists proposed policies that would encourage the more prolific reproduction of those they considered biologically superior, while preventing the reproduction of those they deemed inferior. By the early 20th century, compulsory sterilization of people with disabilities was one of the most popular eugenics measures. In 1907, Indiana passed the first compulsory sterilization law, and many other states followed suit in the decades thereafter. Was Nazism influenced by Darwinism? Many historians recognize that Hitler was a social Darwinist, and some even portray social Darwinism as a central guiding element of Nazi ideology. Thus, it is strange that a small number of historians seem to think that Nazis did not believe in human evolution at all. George Moss, in his 1964 book The Crisis of German Ideology, Intellectual Origins of the Third Reich, argued that acceptance of human evolution was incompatible with Nazi racial ideology because of the Nazi stress on the perfection and immutability of the German race. Similarly, and more recently, Peter Bowler and Michael Ruse have argued that the Nazis rejected human evolution because they upheld a fixed racial type and racial inequality. Nowhere is this more pronounced than in the work of Daniel Gassman, whose book purportedly demonstrates that Hitler built his ideology on the social Darwinist ideas of Ernst Haeckel, but then in the conclusion claims that the Nazis did not like the idea of human evolution. But how is it possible to embrace social Darwinism while rejecting Darwinism and human evolution? Anne Harrington has suggested that the Nazis liked some elements of Darwinism, especially the struggle for existence, but not human evolution from primates. Robert Richards supports this position, claiming that Nazi racial ideas and practices were rarely connected with specific evolutionary conceptions of the transmutation of species and the animal origin of all human beings, even if the term struggle for existence left vaporous trails through some of the biological literature of the Third Reich. This position seems plausible at first glance, especially since Houston's Stuart Chamberlain, a forerunner of Nazi racial ideology, embraced this position. But the claim runs aground when we examine Nazi racial ideology in detail. In particular, the following lines of evidence demonstrate overwhelmingly that Nazi racial thinkers embraced human and racial evolution. Number one, Hitler himself believed in human evolution. Number two, the official Nazi school curriculum prominently featured biological evolution, including human evolution. Number three, the Nazi Ministry of Education encouraged schools to purchase books teaching evolution. Number four, Nazi racial anthropologists, including SS anthropologists, uniformly endorsed human evolution and integrated evolution into their racial ideology. Number five, Nazi eugenicists argued that Darwinism was an integral part of eugenics ideology. Number six, Nazi periodicals, including those on racial ideology, included discussions of evolutionary theory, and some even overtly combated creationism. Number seven, Nazi materials designed to inculcate the Nazi worldview among SS and military men vigorously promoted evolution as an integral part of the Nazi worldview. 
Evolutionary theory shaped Nazi thinking in multiple ways. First, almost all Nazi racial theorists believed that humans had evolved from primates. Second, they provided evolutionary explanations for the historical development of different human races, including the Nordic or Aryan race. These two terms were used synonymously, but most Nazi racial theorists preferred the term Nordic. Specifically, they believed that the Nordic race had become superior because harsh climactic conditions in north-central Europe during the Ice Ages had sharpened the struggle for existence, causing the weak to perish and leaving only the most vigorous. Third, they believed that the differential evolutionary development of the races provided scientific evidence for racial inequality. Fourth, they held that the different and unequal human races were locked in an inescapable struggle for existence. Fifth, they thought that the way for their own race to triumph in the struggle for existence was to reproduce more prolifically than competing races and to claim more living space in which to further increase their numbers. These five points, rooted in the view that humans and human races evolved and are still evolving through the Darwinian mechanism of natural selection and the struggle for existence, profoundly impacted Nazi policy. They formed the backdrop for pursuing eugenics, killing the disabled, aggressively seeking more living space, and exterminating members of races deemed inferior. These are hardly peripheral issues. Now I'm going to read for you an excerpt from Chapter 1 of Darwinian Racism. The Racism of Darwin and Darwinism In 1881, toward the end of his life, Darwin wrote the following to a colleague. The more civilized so-called Caucasian races have beaten the Turkish hollow in the struggle for existence. Looking to the world at no very distant date, what an endless number of the lower races will have been eliminated by the higher civilized races throughout the world. This was not just some offhand comment unrelated to his science. It reflected important elements of his theory of human evolution. Indeed, he articulated this same principle in his scientific study of human evolution, the descent of man, in 1871, where he claimed, at some future period, not very distant as measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace throughout the world the savage races. Not only racism, but racial extermination was an integral feature of Darwin's theory from the start. This is a position that has been articulated by many historians of science. Two prominent historians specializing in the history of Darwinism, Adrian Desmond and James Moore, mince no words about the racism inherent in Darwin's theory. In their magisterial biography of Darwin, they state, Social Darwinism is often taken to be something extraneous, an ugly concretion added to the pure Darwinian corpus after the event, tarnishing Darwin's image. But his notebooks make plain that competition, free trade, imperialism, racial extermination, and sexual inequality were written into the equation from the start. Darwinism was always intended to explain human society. It might come as a surprise to some that Desmond and Moore include racial extermination in this list, since in a later book, Darwin's Sacred Cause, How a Hatred of Slavery Shaped Darwin's Views on Human Evolution, Desmond and Moore emphasize Darwin's humanitarianism and portray his loathing of slavery as a fundamental influence on his view of human evolution. 
However, if one actually reads Darwin's Sacred Cause, one may be surprised to find that, despite their primary thesis, Desmond and Moore have not at all changed their position about Darwin embracing racism, and even racial extermination. In their book, they say it this way. By biologizing colonial eradication, Darwin was making racial extinction an inevitable evolutionary consequence. Races and species perishing was the norm of prehistory. The uncivilized races were following suit, except that Darwin's mechanism here was modern-day massacre. Imperialist expansion was becoming the very motor of human progress. It is interesting, given the family's emotional anti-slavery views, that Darwin's biologizing of genocide should appear to be so dispassionate. Natural selection was now predicated on the weaker being extinguished. Individual races even had to perish for progress to occur. Thus it was that wherever the European has trod, death seems to pursue the Aboriginal. Europeans were the agent of evolution. Prichard's warning about Aboriginal slaughter was intended to alert the nation, but Darwin was already naturalizing the cause and rationalizing the outcome. Thus, despite stressing Darwin's opposition to slavery, Desmond and Moore freely admit that he saw genocide, something most of us would consider an even greater evil than slavery, as a progressive force in human evolution. He was thereby justifying the imperialist wars against Aboriginal peoples that Europe was conducting in his time. By the way, Darwin was not unique in embracing both abolitionism and racism, as quite a few 19th century abolitionists were also racists. Desmond and Moore reinforced this point later in the book by quoting from a letter Darwin wrote to Charles Kingsley. He said, in the letter, It is very true what you say about the higher races of men, when high enough will have spread and exterminated whole nations. Desmond and Moore then provide this explanation of Darwin's sentiments that he expressed in that letter. While slavery demanded one's active participation, racial genocide was now normalized by natural selection and rationalized as nature's way of producing superior races. Darwin had ended up by calibrating human rank no differently from the rest of his society. Darwin's theory thus provided justification not only for racism, but for racial struggle and even genocide. Victorian racism. Common, but not ubiquitous. How had Darwin come to embrace these racist views? As many scholars have pointed out, Darwin's view that races are unequal is unremarkable. Such racist ideas were circulating widely throughout Europe, both in scientific and popular circles, long before Darwin came on the scene. Many Europeans and Americans used these ideas to justify race-based slavery in the Americas, as well as the European conquest of other lands, such as Australia, New Zealand, the Americas, and later Africa. However, not all British men and women in the 19th century embraced racism. Some prominent British intellectuals, missionaries, and church leaders believed that black Africans, for instance, were equal to Europeans and only needed the proper education and upbringing to attain the technological sophistication of the Europeans. The famous British missionary and African explorer David Livingstone not only rejected the notion that black Africans were unequal to Europeans, but also devoted his life to showing them love and compassion. He dedicated his energies to fighting against the slave trade, 
and he even expressed support for the Africans when they fought against British colonial encroachments. No wonder Livingston was beloved by Africans, and is still fondly remembered by black Africans. One of the most prominent British intellectuals in the 19th century, John Stuart Mill, likewise rejected the idea of racial inequality. Mill, like many of his contemporaries, embraced environmental determinism, so he believed that humans were shaped primarily by education and upbringing, not by their biology and heredity. Finally, Alfred Russell Wallace, the co-discoverer of natural selection, also rejected racism and opposed the idea that non-European races were somehow closer to non-human animals than their European counterparts. I've been reading a few excerpts from the book Darwinian Racism, How Darwinism Influenced Hitler, Nazism and White Nationalism, by Richard Weikart. Get your copy of the book now at Amazon.com or BN.com. Well, that's it for today. Thanks very much for joining me. I'm Andrew McDermott for ID the Future. Visit us at idthefuture.com and intelligentdesign.org. This program is Copyright Discovery Institute and recorded by its Center for Science and Culture.